Previously on Quest Friends. My name is the incalculable quorum of beneficial outputs, but you can call me Cubo. What we have heard is that somebody close to the auction plans on stealing Cubo from the time the exhibit opens in a few hours to the time the auction starts. What exactly are you promising? If you can find me convincing evidence of who plans on stealing Cubo, then I promise I will give you access to everything you have a coupon for. We need to save Cubo. I'm with you, Jacques. Okay. I'm with you. And all Lorraine asked for was evidence of who was going to steal it. We can foil the heist, do our own heist, and still get our reward from Lorraine. I'd like to add an addendum to this agreement. No one here, and he gestures to his party behind him, comes to any harm at any time during this. I promise that I personally will not bring your innocent friends to harm. Or your underlings. Them too. But don't worry, unless you're too competent, you'll be fine. <laughs> Seriously though, if you appear too competent, I will hunt you down and kill you. Misha's going to say, I highly doubt that. Ruletia is a light. The sparks of its glittering walls and impending revolution reach high, high into your enclosed diamond elevator, Hop and Misha, as you make your way to the 10th World Exhibit and Auction. Getting past the bouncers was easy. After all, only someone with an excess of wealth could waste so much on something so tasteless as Misha's mask. But by getting past this one obstacle, you've placed a hundred more in your way. Because now, you've committed. Committed to saving Cubo, committed to stopping the Jagged Dream, and committed to standing ground against the woman you have tried tirelessly to race away from. Are you going to say or do anything before the doors open? Otherwise, I can describe the doors opening. Well, I guess just before that, uh, Misha is going to turn to Hop and say, Simon Scotch, there is just one flaw that I did not see with this plan. And that is that I forgot to ask Zoe to provide another one of these garments and point at the mask that they are having for you as well. Oh, well, that's all right. I don't think I really need one. Misha is going to look at, at, at Hop and then they're going to nod and be like, Ah, yes, I suppose you are already cool without the mask. Well, thanks, Misha. That that was a nice thing to say. I think you're really cool, too. Misha is going to, to nod and point to their mask and say, Well, now I do believe so, too. Oh, oh I just got it. <laughs> uh, now let's go and rescue Cubo. Yeah, so with that, the doors open. And you notice it's very easy to get out of your elevators because everyone is just sitting there, mouths agape, staring at Misha. <laughs> you're not quite sure what they think of it because they're not quite sure what they think of it yet. 
In front of you, you see a giant banner, a book ended on both sides by a winking platinum bust of Tommy Funbuck. The banner says, Jetco's 10th World Exhibit and Auction, as sponsored by Tommy Funbuck. And the as sponsored by Tommy Funbuck is the only name you can see because you notice one of these winking busts is absolutely blocking the word Jetco in this banner. <laughs> in front of you, you see three doors that people are spilling through. And to your left, you see a cubo stand, which seems to have a little bit of paper, uh, like DAC tape to it. And in front of it, uh, someone in the kind of bellhop costume that you saw in the hotel, you see someone wearing that costume standing in front of it, talking to folks and directing them. Can I ask the bellhop where the coat check is? You walk up and he's like, oh, geez, really? People really can't do anything without this cubo. It's right over there. And he points to his left and you see a foot away from him, another person standing behind the counter to the coat check. Oh, thanks. <laughs> he, he turns over to this other person. He's like, no, I'm really sorry. The cubo machine is down and I'm not a robot. I don't know what what everything is. Yes, I know. Please don't have Mr. Funbuck fire me, please. And he starts kind of groveling a little bit more to these very frustrated patrons. Okay. Who for a split second give you a moment of deja vu. Can I investigate that further? Can I roll like a like a memory check? Like why they're giving me deja vu? Yeah, if you want. All right. A twelve. Uh you notice that one of them is wearing an ivory white hat and a red dress, and the other one, arm in arm, is wearing a top hat as tall as her torso and a blue peacock suit. And you have never seen these people before, but their outfits look remarkably similar. To Tommy Funbuck and Lorraine. Yeah. Do I notice anyone else wearing these outfits? You do. In fact, you notice that almost everybody is wearing some variation of what appears to be the in outfit, with, of course, the notable exception of you and Misha. So everyone is dressed as Lorraine or as Tommy Funbuck. This is what you're telling me. <laughs> that is 100%. I'm going to say they were inspired by the fashion. But yes, they're all terrible copycats. It's like Disney bounding. It's like Disney bounding Lorraine and and Tommy Funbuck. It's a weird fusion between cosplay and trying to follow the cool fashion that's in right now. Um, at seeing all the Lorraines, Hopper kind of like moves back against the coat check a little bit. <laughs> But then doesn't say anything. He's visibly alarmed, but he's not going to talk about it. I do believe that all of these people are dressed as Lorraine. Yep. Looks that way. Did not expect this. Was prepared for one of them. And as, as you're talking about that, both of you are covered in a little like snow of glitter as the uh, person behind the coat check is fanning out a artificially glittered up copy of uh, what seems to be Lorraine's coat that she wears. God. And is putting it into a box, which they set on a conveyor belt uh, that pushes itself back into a little coat closet room. And they turn over to you and are like, thank God, people I can remember. <laughs> what are you checking in today? Or checking out. I don't know. Please tell me you don't have something to check out. To check out? Uh, I do, actually. Is that is that okay? Depends. Is it another glitter bomb? No. Do I have a coat check ticket? How am I... How, what is the, my information for getting things from the coat check? They're going to turn and say, well, type it in the pad there. And you see that there is a... Uh, it looks like... You know those like little flip... Those little manual uh, alarm clocks that would like flip over to show the time? Mm -hmm. You see two of those. One of which where you can flip in your uh, box number and one where you can flip in the code. Okay. I definitely wrote down my box number in my extensive notes. 
Kyle, Hopper would have written down the box number in his extensive notes. So can I just have that? Yeah, you enter in the box number. Let me double check what it is. It is... BTC. Yep. Check in box 2S. And you're right. You put in code BTC. I found it. World's greatest detective. (laughs) And as you flip that over, you hear a little like prize ding, ding, ding. Uh, A little box slides out of the conveyor belt and the person working uses a couple of locks to open it up, like a couple of manual locks. And it poofs open, an explosion of glitter, and they just look at you. You lied. How funny. (laughs) Ha ha. Yes, that's me. Who knew what was in this coat check box and intentionally lied about it. He picks up the box, hands it to you, and you can see he's visibly shaking with rage. He's like, no, no remorse, no regret. Oh, Hopper has to pretend to be like a 1% douchebag. Hopper will shrug and say, not a lot. Uh, They look at you and look down and you can see they're holding a little crumpled piece of paper, which looks like it's a handmade flyer for, uh, for an underground meeting of common workers. And they take that with new resolve and they leave the room. Good for them. And you take a look into the box and you see that it is very glittery because it has two things. One of which is a beautiful, elegant, overly glitzy dress and coat that looks oh, no. like a really poor imitation of Lorraine's. It is conveniently exactly Ellie's size. Oh no. <laughs> you then see a very tall peacock blue suit and a top hat that is so tall because it looks like it fits the size of your pal shock. Uh, Hop will take them. And then like, as an aside to me, she'll be like, well, they'll have to deal with it. I suppose so. I, I do wish that there were more of these masks for everybody. Hopper will just say, well, we'll have to live without them. And with that, you make your way into the main exhibit hall. You walk through these doors and the massive dome space in front of you pulses in tune to bouncy electronic jazz as the technicolor lights of Rulettia shine through floor to ceiling windows, spotlighting your entrance. A few steps down is a circular space full of sleek ceramic inventions and overly enthusiastic presenters gesturing and projecting as if yelling for help from a faraway plane. Star-struck tourists aimlessly meander from exhibit to exhibit, bumping into little floating pails filled with ice and bottled wine. These exhibits surround a massive platform, on top of which hums the massive, droning Tommy Funbuck robot float. And as you get in, you get your first complication, because whatever plans you had, Hop, whatever your motivation was coming in, it immediately drops alongside your stomach as you see the spitting image of Cartesian's dot wave. <laughs> and we're gonna move over to Hop and uh, Ellie. Shock, shock and Ellie? Ellie? We're gonna move over to Shock and Ellie. Hop is everywhere. Hop is everyone. <laughs> He's Hop Nishin. Hop Nishin! Shock and Ellie. You're standing in a back room of the Fancy Tom's Fancy Hats and Jetco Combination Store. In front of you, a hotel employee with the name tag Fuzz Fuzz has just outfitted you with two hastily retrieved vests, neither of which fit you very well, and they both require improvised patches of DAC tape to ensure that they actually stay on. You were able to quickly find folks to aid you, uh, and a revolution is on its way to Tommy Funbuck's front door. But you don't have time to wait. By the time Rulettia falls, you'll be long gone. I mean, that's the plan, at least. 
thank you again for for helping us. We know it's dangerous if you're caught, you know. Meh. Okay then. How are how are we going to get into the tower then? They point to a little crappy elevator behind them uh, that you can see as it opens up isn't actually an elevator. It's just a staircase that's been decorated to look like an elevator. <laughs> and it looks like the staircase at Bits is just like ladders. I mentioned this like two minutes ago. Were you not paying attention? <laughs> oh. Yeah, Shock, were you not paying attention? Uh, that's okay. I'm used to uh, it. Just earlier today, someone didn't remember the mega deluxe awesome super fantastic package, and I had to repeat it multiple times. Please do not ask what it is, for even though I am a revolutionary, I am still contractually obligated to repeat all of the wonderful things you can get with that package. Oh no. So not to make this really dark, but I heard something about how Tommy Funbuck makes people eat some kind of non-disclosure agreement. And I was just wondering, like, if you all are betraying him, are you going to end up getting- Potentially, we've made a pact not to mention his name, which is kind of a downer when you think about it, because he still has, like, control over us, but I think it's worth it. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm still going to scrape the last few morsels of scratch I can before this whole place falls apart. And with that, they very slowly walk back. Poor it's Fuzz it's Fuzz. a revolution, but Fuzz Fuzz is still used to the practice of if I'm technically walking back to work, it doesn't matter how fast I'm walking. Gotta punch in that last time card before, you know, overthrowing the place. Um, should we just... Go then? Yeah, I, uh, yeah, let's climb. <laughs> Give me a might roll. No, I'm not going to make you do that. Oh, shock is, shock's <laughs> body is not prepared for a long climb, but that's fine. <laughs> His stamina wheel is not very high yet. No. I was considering asking shock if he needed to be carried. <laughs> no. All right, so you make your way up this long, damp, moist musky. What are some other terrible words I can use? Sopping? This sopping. <laughs> this just, it's a, it's, it's more. just like Kyle's bathroom. It's, <laughs> yes! It's more, it's more bathroom than elevator and more swamp than bathroom. And when you get up, you, uh, you find yourself in a little, like, back room, actual bathroom space, uh, and you see a sign that says employees must wash hands above a sink, except the knobs on the sink are both missing and the soap is very empty. Did we just come up a toilet? I'm so confused as to what's going on here. Did, did, we, did we really climb up a toilet, Kyle? Would you do No, a it's, it's right in a bathroom. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a justifiable place because they have to go up the elevator, but because it's so gross, they got to wash their hands. So it's next to the toilet, all right? Okay. I'm not going to wash my hands. I'm not guaranteeing nobody has used it as a toilet, though. Like, that is entirely possible. <laughs> but there is a toilet, all right? I'm not that <laughs> gross. This isn't the mid-2000s, and I'm not South Park. All right, all right. We've, we've been in sewer. We've been in sewers before. This is nothing to us. <laughs> New Canon Ellie once lived in a sewer for three weeks. It's true. <laughs> uh, you lived with a non-binary individual. Their name was Dave. That's all that needs to be said about Dave. <laughs> Moving on. All right, I guess Shock will step through the door. All right, so you both step through the door through an entranceway that was not marked on the map, and I need you both to roll speed defense. 
It's fine. Everything's fine. Yeah, how's how's a uh, how's an eight do for me? Speed defense. <laughs> how's a three do for me? Oh no. Oh, uh, Ellie goes out first and is swarmed by like a pack of gazelles. <laughs> A dozen of these little ice-filled robots just brushing all over her. You take no damage, but they all whirr with like extreme alarm. And you look around and you find yourself in this very elaborately put together kitchen. In the middle, you see this giant multi-armed robot out of this core. It looks like there are 16 arms, like a double octopus, reaching around and grabbing things, picking up tables and reversing them. For example, yeah, instead of like when it makes pancakes, instead of flipping over the thing, Itself, it just picks up the table the pancakes are on and flips the table above a different table on which pancakes can be cooked so that it can flip over like 50 pancakes at a time. I love it. So this whole room is becoming a mess as this machine is just moving and making exquisite things and immediately the smell of the bathroom gives way to just the most beautiful and expensive smells you've ever smelled related to food specific. It's a very specific smell. The more I talk about it, I want it to be like a cosmic thing, but you just smell really fancy, but also good food. So you are in the kitchen in the basement. All right. Um, are there are there any people in the uh, in the kitchen, or is it just that double octopus robot and then the treadmills? Yeah, these mini pails. Which you're right, they look like the picture of the baby treadmill that you saw in that you saw in the photo of the heroes of Navarine. Uh, so these mini treadmills are flying around. How big are they? Um, they're the size of a little garbage pail. They're not big. They're little. Oh, they're okay. Little, they're little cute buckets. If they were tiny, I was gonna spend an experience to have one nest in my hat. I mean, no. <laughs> Do you want to spend that experience? Yes, I have something to announce. Um, you know how I gave you all crap for hoarding experience? God damn it, Janice! I didn't realize that I <laughs> wow. had like five XP. What the fuck? The hypocrisy. I didn't realize. The sheer hypocrisy. I know. Joke's on you, Kyle. We're all XP hoarders. Except me. Except for Tom. It's fine. Tom forgets his items. Literally doesn't have them on his sheet, it, so. It was on my sheet, and then that version of the sheet was deleted. <laughs> And I've now added it to my sheet. Whatever. <laughs> Excuses. Just now? No, earlier. What? When I was booting up my computer, it's been off and restarting all day. Oh, oh man. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so you see these robots that have the TR-8 model on them. And you see another one that the T is the only thing visible because it's just the tiny little thimble Ooh. that's used for shots. And this little thimble just like hits you and gets stuck in your hat and seems to be wanting to go away, but eventually finds it comfortable and just kind of nests there. Oh, I love it. <laughs> and because the other ones are called treadmill, they have the tier eight. This one only has a T. So presumably it could realistically be named a thimble. All right, and then you also see some human folks. Uh, occasionally they'll walk in and like duck their head as like five plates get thrown to them and stack up <laughs> perfectly. And then they'll walk out of the uh, of the front door. There, There's a set of double doors. There's also, you see a freight elevator to your right. Uh, when these doors open, you see a horde of the treadmill models and a couple of thimbles fly through. Uh, and then you also see some employees pick up like nicer alcohol. So uh, one set of double doors leads to like some catering and then the treadmills and thimbles and a couple of folks gravitate towards this freight elevator that leads to the bar in the exhibit hall. 
All right. Shock. Like, Shock is a little overwhelmed by all of the action and people. Like, granted, he's been in the city a while now, so he's he's gotten used to, like, the masses of people. But just the intensity of the action here is a bit bewildering. But he's, he's gonna, like, remind himself why he's there uh, and start moving towards the doors that will lead out into, like, the larger area of the basement floor to uh, await Misha and Hopper. I'm gonna follow him and, like, just briefly clap a hand on his shoulder. Chill. It's fine. I got your back. Thank you, Ellie Badge. I'm I'm very glad you're here with me. Okay. She can't do any more emotion. She's just gonna like <laughs> nod and not address that. <laughs> but there's like there's a nod. Very emotional nod, like the nod for the not the Oscar nod. <laughs> It's in slow motion, dramatic music plays. Oh no, no, not slow mo. Over it, like, the screen gets black and white and you hear Ellie's life story start to play out. When I was a young girl, I loved pony, I don't know. Um, <laughs> um, but while this uh, Oscar moment scene is happening, we're gonna get back to Hop and Misha. So uh, you just stepped out onto the exhibit hall. You can see where everything is. So on your right, you see the doors to the auction house. To your left, you see the bar. In front of you are all the exhibits. And one of the big ones facing you is something that looks a lot like the dot wave, which you can assume is Argent. And it looks like there's a presenter and a lot of folks starting to flock around it. Okay, uh, Hop will kind of like nudge Misha a little bit, be like, hey, let's give Shockinelli a couple more minutes to get in. Uh, I kind of want to see what Argent is like. I am curious about this too. All right, and then he'll start moving towards the presentation. And uh, you see one of those fountain projectors playing what looks like one of those family-friendly 90s ads for time crisps. And you see these little kids eating the crisp and then going back in time and eating it more. And a line just says, time crisps. So so good you could eat them forever. Literally. Oh boy. And with that, it falls down and there's some like tepid clapping. And suddenly, pff, a very fancily dressed individual just appears on the stage and they lean onto their pedestal and they say, well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for Time Crisps for partnering with us today. Nanos, what have they done? A whole lot. Mastered the elements, mastered technology, mastered moving from place to place. Uh, and as he says that, you can see him pop over to a different part of the stand and take a different flashy pose. But as much as Nanos have been able to go from, and he pops back and you see his, his arms are around both of your shoulders, going from place to place, one place they haven't gone, and he's back on stage, is time itself. At least, not yet. Uh, we here at Jekko with Time Chris proudly introduce Argent. Argent is your number one way of getting things inside and outside of time. Absolutely 100% guaranteed paradox free. Did you drop a piece of ice cream on the ground? Sure, you could use a time crisp to go back in time and get it. What if you just flat out stole a copy of the ice cream stand itself from yesterday? It's like our tagline says, Argent pulls things out of its time and into yours. Now a little bit more on the specs here. And with that, he's gonna keep on talking, but that kind of fades a little bit because I want both of you to roll perception again. Four. Okay, wait, I gotta find my good die. Another 12. Uh, Misha, you are not noticing anything. Why Why is nothing sticking out to you? Uh, because they are really confused as to how the things that they're saying are not paradoxical. They are just in, <laughs> in a loop of, of thinking uh, like, oh, but if they steal the ice cream from the ice cream stand from yesterday, then how did they get the ice cream in the first place for it to fall down? So they are just like in a spiral loop of thinking about paradoxes too long. A uh, hop. 
you notice that the crowd around you is getting thicker and thicker, and you see a lot of guests, but you also see a lot of folks wearing the Manny Mantle costumes, which is the costume of the guard. And that's weird, because you know that guards only appear around workers, like they don't want to spook the guests. But you notice, since some of these costumes are pretty ratty and junky, on shoulders, hands, legs, Dozens of indented tattoos, you see some of raptors swooping downwards, some of clocks, some of serrated oh blades. My God. Okay. And as you're looking around, you see all these hands raise up. They're all raising their hands? Yes. Has the has the per, the presenter asked them asked anything that the audience would raise their hands for? That's right, everybody. I'm having one lucky person come up and test this with me right here and right now. Hopper also raises his hand. Oh, if that's the case, then Misha also does that. Well, we have a lot of interesting folks here tonight. But I'm interested in and he looks at Misha and does a lot of mental math. <laughs> And then is like so overwhelmed with emotion that he doesn't know how to respond. So he just turns over to person left of Misha and says, you, sir, uh, do you want to come up here and and and, uh, and test this out with me? I don't know. Hopper nods and starts making his way through the crowd. You make your way up to the crowd uh, and he's like, all right, sir, what is your name? And as he does this, by the way, he poofs over and he's leaning on your arm. He's like, what is your name, friend? Peter. <laughs> Jones. <laughs> <laughs> so Peter Jones. Yep. All right, uh, Mr. Jones, as you can see here, we've got three platforms and you can see three humming baseball base sized platforms that are kind of suction cup to the ground. These three platforms have set up a grid uh, and you can see this kind of crackling lines of light line between them and you can see the ground between them is starting to shimmer. Now, unfortunately, we can't move this and test this just anywhere in Rulettia, but I've been assured that this location is pretty safe and has had some pretty cool stuff put on it. So, uh, is there any time you want me to pull from? Uh, oh no. Um, how about, uh, two hours ago? Sounds good to me. Hopefully they weren't setting up at this time, because trying to pull Argent, one paradox you might get. <laughs> Anyways. That's kind of what I wanted to do. Let's kick it. Damn it. And he slides in a block on this giant Jenga tower that looks identical to the dot wave, and it starts to crackle with more and more light, and the room hums, and the lights inside of the space start to fade a little bit. And even you can see the lights on the walls of Rulettia themselves are flickering in and out. They're dimming until eventually you hear a and all the lights go out. And I need you to roll speed defense five times. No! Five times? No! This is what I was trying to avoid. I was like, oh, I could get Cuba. And I was like, no, we are very outnumbered. I don't want that. All right. The first one was 11. Okay. Second was eight. A 12. Okay. A 19. And a 20. Oh. You succeeded twice, but you see that succeeded so exceptionally. I'm going to say you succeeded four times. Yes. So during this complication, as the lights go out, you feel winds and rushing as a handful of hands brush past and on top of you. And you hear them like bumping into each other as you're deftly moving around and colliding. Some of them so clumsy that they're hitting each other. But you do hear a rip. And when the lights go on, 
you see a handful of the Manny mates rushing down a hallway to your left. That's going to be your, one of your bonuses. But besides that, the audience is severely thinned. And there is not a guard besides the ones running away in sight. And the guy next to you is just like, well, <laughs> well, you know, something this powerful still takes a lot of energy. It's a work in progress, but still pretty neat, right? All right, thanks so much, Peter. That's going to be the rest of our demonstration for today. Remember, buy time crisps. Um, um, yeah, okay. Hopper, he's going to go in the direction of, he's going to signal to Misha and then go in the direction of, of, the, of the people. I'm not trying to catch them. I just want to, like, sneak up on them. Misha's going to follow. Okay. Or I'm not trying to, like, chase them down. I want to get within eavesdrop range. All right. You go through a hallway. On your right is the bathrooms. On the left is the auction hall. And around the corner, you see a semi-spiraling staircase that walks down to the bottom floor. And on top of it, you see two guards trying to look professional, but, like, we totally got it. We got it. Did you you get it? And the other person's like, yeah, I got it. I got it. And they uh, take out, they hold out a piece of ripped paper and they stick it in their breast pocket. And they're like, we got it. We got it. Okay. And he's got a piece of paper. He just sticks it in his breast pocket. Yeah. A piece of ripped paper. Ripped paper. Okay. Uh, Pretty, pretty wide. Pretty, pretty thick. All right. Um, hold up a second. My character sheet is on my other computer. I just remember, so I have to pull that up. <laughs> oh, no. Um, I, okay, what Hopper wants to do, I want to bump into the guy and then casually pickpocket him. Okay. I'm double checking if I have literally anything that will help me do that. I could distract him what, while you pickpocket him. Oh, yes, let's do that. Actually, Hopper is going to whisper to Misha, um, we should see whatever he got. Can you distract them and then I'll try to see if I can't sneak it out? I do believe I will try to do so, yes. And then Misha is going to try and look for the data sphere for some sort of way to be able to entertain humans. Like how to entertain humans is what they're going to look up. But I want to <laughs> I want to twist this into into gaining my storytelling technique. I love it. So you access the data sphere and you pull in these things and it starts with the sound of a crackling fire and you hear people telling stories in this echoey cave-like space and eventually it changes to, to music and you see people moving and dancing on stage and then images start to pop up. You see these images, these uh, images of like a wolf and these three houses popping up uh, as if on, on cardboard and then sliding back down again. You see pictures moving in sequential order and, and you see a fusion of all all of these and you see languages and words spoken some are uh, slow and steady some are to the rhythm of music some are fast and rhythmic and, and, and passionate and as all of that fades away <laughs> you're now really good at all kinds of storytelling excellent basically you you could run this podcast fuck it misha go oh boy <laughs> misha can but i can't so um okay so misha is going to turn to hop and say i believe i got this and then they are going <laughs> to approach the guards and say oh uh excuse me humans but have you heard of the girl that encountered a wolf earlier this evening yeah well i ain't afraid of no wolf yeah we're not we're not afraid of any world we're, we're, we're tough i am a wolf <laughs> and you realize that person who's wearing the mantle costume and they probably have no idea what the fuck a wolf is because a wolf is like a dog and we have it as canon that dogs no longer exist it is true but no they 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 think it's terrifying they know a wolf is scary okay um all right so by that misha is going to like guess a story is going to pop in their mind and they're going to be like well i do believe you should be because i happen to to know of a tale of a boy that kept not being afraid of a wolf and ended up in very unfortunate circumstances i will if you wish 
tell it to you. No, you know, I don't I, no, I don't really need to hear that story, you know. That's not important. Hey, 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 hey man, listen. We don't want to be like this kid, all right? Yes. I, I do believe you need to listen to all of it. Because otherwise, <laughs> the wolf that ate the girl earlier this evening or last evening, whatever I mentioned today was, will get you as well. Well shit, I I'm not no girl. Well no man, but Carol is. We got to keep Carol safe. <laughs> And, and they are in rapt attention. I'm going to say sincere helping out Hop. You don't got a role to succeed on this because uh, this is you're essentially aiding with his role. So you have their rapt attention and their backs are you're at the top of the stairs. And so their backs are actually uh, to you. Their, their backs are to the their backs are facing you, Hop. That was the words I was thinking of and couldn't make with my mouth. OK, so so Misha is going to start basically telling the story of the boy who cried a wolf. And as they start saying that, they're going to motion to hop. So it's in his front breast pocket or was in his back pocket? It's in one of their pockets. I'm fine. I hope it's a back pocket because... Let's have it be a back pocket. <laughs> okay, cool. It's in a back pocket. Yeah, it's in one of their back pockets. Okay, uh, Hopper's not trained in like pickpocketing or anything, but he is trained in stealth. Can I... Okay, yeah, I'll let that pass. I'll let that pass. Woo! All right. You better succeed with this. <laughs> He's just gonna, like, Skyrim sneak up behind him now and try to... Don't, don't invoke video games like Skyrim, because that means if you fail, literally everyone will try to kill you. Kyle, no! All right. Okay. Natural 20. So you're going to get the thing, but uh, is there any bonus you want? Like anything else you might want to get or like anything you want to have happen? Uh, um, I wasn't prepared for actually succeeding this. Um, <laughs> I would like if there's anything else useful that could fall out of his pockets when I'm doing this. Like, could I get like an extra thing? Yeah, I'm that... asking you, what thing do you want? Oh, I don't know. Give me a thing. I don't know what the mystery you is. You are part of this story. I want... I want another checklist of things that they're doing or like names. Can I have a list of like names of the other Jagged Dream members who are here tonight just in case we need to know? Yeah. So you get, uh, so it comes out, you get two things. The first thing you get is a page from your atlas. And it is a page uh, chronicling the important events in Key's history. Okay. The other thing that you get out of it is you get that list. Uh, and it seems to almost be a, a, a shipping chart. <laughs> like there are quadrants and theories and like lines between people. Yes. And there's a bunch of names. You get to choose what name you want to adopt. Uh, but all of them seem to converge around one name, Chris Prevensworth Pine. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then I'm just going to sneak away back to where I was before so that Misha can see that he did he did his thing. Cool. I think uh, I think it's time to move back to Hoppinelli since we've been around with Chagonelli. Chagonelli! You keep messing our names! I don't know! Hop's just hopping everywhere tonight! <laughs> Welcome to the announcement break for episode 31 of Quest Friends Questionable Measures, part 13. I am Kyle, your GM, and we're just going to talk for like a minute or so about some just some random announcements, some announcement stuff. So, as usual, our intro song is Friends by Miracle of Sound. You can find a link to that and some of the other songs below. 
three quick announcements for you today. The first announcement is that our players actually used a map for this heist. They actually uh, were working off of a map, which I think I cut all the references to it, but there might be a couple of references in there. If you want to see the map they were looking at and kind of play along at home, the link to that map can be found below. It can also be found at questfriendspodcast.com, our website, which about a few weeks ago got a massive overhaul and renovation. It's now cleaner, it's easier to go places. For example, our episode summaries page has been condensed down into one page, so now it's just super easy to see what you need to see. And our about page has been really renovated and focused on explaining what is our show, what are we about, uh, and also providing like suggested first episodes. So if you know someone and, and you're like, hey, I want you to start the show and you don't know where to start them, I have some recommendations based on their preferences there. Uh, so that was the second announcement. And finally, the last announcement is just announcing that our schedule is now going to be every other week starting today. This was, as you can see, a particularly long episode for us, so it took a little bit more time editing, and because of that, I was a week late. I'm just going to start with this week moving on with my goal of being able to kind of get ahead of the game. So with that said, we got a lot of heist left to go, but as for our episode after the heist, our next episode will be released on Monday, February 25th. I will see you then. Uh, Shotgun Alley, you walk through a pretty nice, elegantly put together hallway, like one that would be attached to the ballroom because it's attached to the ballroom. Mm -hmm. uh, on your left, there are a couple of rooms. There uh, is a green room, and then you see a room for Miss Styles, and you see a room for Mr. Question mark, question mark, question mark, and then just in smaller font, we know his first name is Vespari, but that's it. Yeah. You see some doors leading into a ballroom in front of you. And then on your right, you see uh, doors that lead to a kind of buffet area. You actually see a couple of Jagged Dream members as you come out, uh, walk out of the ballroom and then down near the buffet area being like, ah, I didn't get it, but we totally got it. Yeah, we got it. And they keep walking. <laughs> as the carts go through, you see in addition to the buffet area, there's this very thin, very spooky looking hallway. You know, the one spooky hallway everyone had in their public high school <laughs> that had that flickering light and you were never sure if anyone went down there or if it's been used in the past 60 years. You do see that as well. Uh, in that case, Shock might... Shock might just hang around in the hallway. Like, we're off to a rip-roaring adventure, everybody. <laughs> Standing in hallways. We, we, this is the place we said we were going to meet up. We're at the, we're at the location. We're, 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 we're in position. I'm going to glance over at Shock and say, what if we just went for it? <laughs> What if we just went for the dressing room now? Oh, mm, the only thing. Oh, I don't have to worry about that. Shock. Shock, were you thinking that we couldn't tell them? No, sure. Tom, Tom definitely didn't forget <laughs> that he has a constant mental link. <laughs> Shock. Uh, what? Shock will just send a message Misha's way and say, Misha Jarvis, we're in position uh, in the in the basement floor between the kitchen and the ballroom. Ellie's suggesting that maybe we should just just go for Lorraine's dressing room and try to start our climb. Do you and do you and Hopper think that's a good idea? Question: At what time point did 
Did Misha receive this? What you're telling the story. So I was I was mid telling the story. That's what I was. You are mid telling the story. Oh dear. <laughs> okay. Um. If you want to respond, we can say that Misha just pauses for a second, mm. and the folks you're talking to are like, "No, but but then what? But but then what happened to the girl? What happened to the girl? We need to know." So they're just like thinking that you're being super dramatic as you respond to shock. Okay. So so okay. So when when Misha receives that, they are going to stutter a bit, but then they're going to be like, "And I would like you to think what." did you think happened to this to this boy <laughs> just think for a second and then they're going to like give that dramatic pause and then they're going to reply to shock i trust you and ellie b so if you think that's for the best then you should do it okay see you soon and then shock will say all right then ellie i I guess we can go in. So you walk down the hallway, you walk past the green room, you see Vespari's room, you can see him just like talking to, it sounds like nobody on the other hand. He's like, well, I did that sketch earlier today. Yes, I know the boy ruined it, but that's why I need to reclaim it. It needs to be my trick. Shock will stick out his tongue as he walks by and proceed to Lorraine's room. Sounds good. The room's so nice, you guys. It's so nice. There are like half a dozen of the lipstick kisses. The room is literally overflowing with bouquets that fans have sent her. You see a couple of dresses in a uh, in a closet and this big, long, wide uh, uh, mirror. You actually see some look like our newspaper clippings. Some are a bit more interactive. Some are for kids. Uh, you see basically reports from all around the Steadfast chronicling all the time she was supposedly humiliated by Hopperscotch. Hero saves town. Hero stops dastardly villain. Lorraine Styles on the run again. And then to your left, you see a spiral staircase. Shock just looks around at the various stories, and he just looks a little sad and says, like, Hopperscotch deserves better. I'd almost feel kind of sorry for her, but also I hate her. And then I want to... <laughs> I want to drool on her lipstick. You do it. You successfully drool. It's very <laughs> gross. There's like no role to like make it less gross because it just is. No, I want it to be very gross. Cool. Does anyone <laughs> want to do like something, anything else? Literally anything else. Just, I'm I'm up to I'm up to uh to suggestions. I here. just felt like being spiteful. Um. So you make your way up the spiral staircase. Uh, there's a curtain in front of you. One of those big curtains. You're on the back of the stage, and you are gonna get your first complication. And you hear a very loud uh, lady's voice say, "No, the dancers must dance perfectly. They are programmed to do so. They will do so. Now again, everyone. One, two." Three, four, and you just hear this pounding of feet on the stage of dancing. And you hear like the cheap, you know how like they use cheap little boomboxes when practicing dress rehearsals for performances? Because <laughs> uh, the doors aren't open yet, so you hear this boombox playing a song. And you see the dancing figures in shimmering spandex, Misha Jarvis's. What? What? The fuck? What? what? <laughs> excuse, excuse me? Excuse me? I'd be confused. <laughs> And to clarify what we're seeing here. <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, just to clarify what I'm seeing here. At one point, they do lean to the right, and you can definitely see, in shimmering spandex, a gray-eyed Misha Jarvis before it pops back up again and continues its little jimmy. <laughs> what the hell is this? 
What the hell is this hell? Chalk is just flabbergasted. He's just stunned. And I mean, he recovers because he knows that this sort of thing sometimes happens with machines, but he's never seen like so many identical models and to see so many of, of dear Misha <laughs> is quite a shock. Quite a shock. Yes. I feel like that's gonna elicit some feelings too. Yeah, that's, <laughs> shock isn't entirely certain what he feels about this. Yeah, you share that digital high five. Go ahead. I, I would was, like to roll what, what, perception what, 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 on Chuck's demeanor. <laughs> Nineteen. All right, Chuck. What's your demeanor? And not the, what demeanor Shock thinks he has. What is Shock's demeanor? Shock has a little bit of a deer in the headlights look right now. He's like done like a full stop, arms up a little bit, like. You can see, like, the gears turning in his head as he looks around, like, wanting to go around the curtain and actually see what's happening, but afraid to do so. So I'm going to describe the motion that Ellie does. And so she's kind of a little bit behind shock. She's going to, like, reach her hand around and put it, like, in front of his eyes, sort of on the side of his head. Like a, like a parent. Uh, and like... just, like, turn his head away and, like, start guiding him in the other direction. Ignore spandex Misha's. I know it's going to be really hard, uh... but we got to go get Cubo. How do we get around them? <laughs> All right, uh, I think that's a good point to cut back to Hop and Misha. Misha, you just sent your message. Hop has stolen the thing. And you see the figures in front of you are shaking. <laughs> no, it's because it's she didn't trust her friends. And she didn't admit that she was scared. And because of that, she, she got eaten by the wolf. I'm so scared all the time. Uh, I guess as soon as they finish this story, Misha's going to kind of look very surprised at their reactions and say, Oh, I I do I do apologize if I made you feel this way, humans. It was not my intent. But I suppose whatever lesson I had said in the story I have just said should be learned. <laughs> so I I hope you follow it. We will thank you so much. <laughs> I just want to say that the way I want Misha's storytelling thing to work since storytelling rely on a bunch of different concepts and stuff that they wouldn't really understand as much is that as soon as they finish telling it they would virtually just forget <laughs> what they said it's kind of like <laughs> like like reading from a prompt like an internal prompt I love it um, so they really have no idea what they just said <laughs> but they are like oh, mm, <laughs> I guess it worked <laughs> I love it yeah so what are you what are you gonna do I'd say it's about five minutes before the doors open <laughs> yeah so he, they're gonna turn to hop and say uh, Scott Scott Simon while you were stealing the it's a piece of paper <laughs> it was ripped from my atlas oh intriguing why did they have that Kyle, for clarification, was, that wasn't missing from my atlas before we... I cannot say whether or not it was the thing that was stolen during Argent, because you never checked. You never checked your stuff. What do you mean I never... You never checked your stuff. <laughs> Fuck me. Okay, um... um. <laughs> so it might have been what was stolen, it might not have. Maybe you should check your gear sometime. I say, I don't know, and then I check my gear. I'd like to check all my shit, please. Cool. No, nothing except for, uh, it's gonna take a few minutes. Misha can keep talking to, to, to Hopper. What were you saying, Misha? While he 
he's doing, while he's like frantically patting himself down. Uh, Misha is going to say, oh, yes, uh, while I was distracting the guards, I got a signal from Shock. He said that he and Ellie decided to go into Lorraine's dressing room. And since I couldn't really interrupt what you were doing without drawing suspicions, I told him that I trusted them. I, I hope this was okay. Oh, yeah, perfect. If they can get in, they should go in. And they dodged a bullet on the outfits. Can I drop them in a nearby trash can? Yeah, there's not a trash can, but you do see uh, just sitting there with its mouth open. Uh, you don't see cart, but you see a frog tar, which is the name of cart Wait, species. No, this is cruelty. <laughs> well, if it's a thing, I'm not going to have it. Can I just put them behind a plant in that case? Uh, you cannot put it behind a living plant, but a fake plastic plant. Yes, there are plenty around. Yeah, that's fine. Just just anything that I can just like kick it behind. Like, get out of here. And welcome to another episode of Between Two Ferns. <laughs> Um, yeah, you kick it behind there, and then, uh, as you look through your stuff, yeah, nothing else was missing. Your blueprints weren't stolen, uh, your note from Lorraine about the outfits wasn't stolen. Okay. Uh, the only thing that was stolen was this, uh, single sheet of paper out of uh, probably a couple hundred in that atlas. Okay, can I take a closer look at the sheet of paper? Yeah. What, what does it tell me? It just tells you important historical events in key. Huh. Couple glances and be like, I'll look at this more closely later. But for now, we're running out of time. So we should get started on stalling for time as, as much as we can. Your story was really good. You should go uh, keep telling people's stories, I think, to give Shock and Ellie time to get Cuba from the auction house. Oh, thank you, Scotch Simon Scotch. What was my story? <laughs> it was about like a girl oh. and a wolf and how you shouldn't trust uh, wolves, I guess. <laughs> Speaking of which, I'm going to go find Lorraine. <laughs> oh, I, I, I believe Lorraine It is kind of a wolf. That's a good one, Scotch Simon Scotch. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Hopper's been told that he's cool and that he said a good joke <laughs> by Misha now. <laughs> Hopper's not used to being complimented this much. <laughs> um, so he'll kind of like, oh, thanks. <laughs> he's proud of himself. <laughs> And then to find Lorraine, um, can I turn on the pin to, so that I can hear her, but she can't hear me to see if I can like, I mean, I can just walk around to look for her also, but in case I need to do something to find her, that was my plan. Yeah, you turn it, uh, you turn on the pin, you just hear the most obnoxious. <laughs> Lorraine is a very elegant woman, but apparently she is a very sloppy eater, but it might be intentional because you can hear Vespari like angrily, uh, like ranting to her about his placement in the performance being like, for the mid-intermission break, I'm practically nobody. I am the great Vespari. Why are you putting me in such a bad position? And could you please stop chewing like that? Oh, Vespari, listen. I'm, I'm, I'll try my hardest, but honestly, you're like a little kid show. No, that's not what I think, but that's what Tommy thinks. And I mean, it would take a lot to change his mind. She's fucking with Vespari because she can. Right. Okay, uh, Misha, I'm going to head downstairs. I think that's where Lorraine is. And I'll try to stall her from starting the auction. Yes, it is all going according to your plan. I will go and distract the main crowd so that Shock and Ellie can't get Kubo in the meantime. To remind the audience what we're doing. <laughs> so a couple of things are happening right now. It is about 10 to 15 minutes before the auction begins. Inside the auction room, after being scolded by this artiste of a woman, the Misha Jarvis's on the stage uh, descend down into the green room below. 
As they do, this woman huffily takes a seat, scribbling in her notebook, allowing, potentially, Shock and Ellie away into Cubo. Unfortunately, this is the time the doors open. And as the doors open and the crowd starts walking towards the auction, blowing Shock and Ellie's chance of getting in, a light, a beacon of fashion appears before them. <laughs> and they see in this marvelous mask and hat, a figure unlike anything Ruletia or much less the Ninth World has ever seen, tall and elegant and so very retro. Misha Jarvis, <laughs> the world stops and stares at you. What do you do to keep their attention? Uh, if I can gather your attention for a bit, really quick. A bit of an intervention. See, I must confess that this event is a mess. I mean, it's truly unruly and the audience getting drooly, but fear not, worry not. The solution here I got with a 100% human, non-suspicious, non-robot. I mean, my name is M.I.S. Yes, just M.I.S. Nothing more, nothing less. I say, Misha Jarvis. And the crowd goes wild. You just hear hooting, hollering. People are like throwing off their hats and like making impromptu masks. Uh, because you spent one XP to get a cane, a man in a very long purple and black outfit walks up to you and leans down in front of you and says, please sign and take my cane. And you see him hold up a thin black cane with a glass dome at its tip and images drawn on the glass flutter like the wings of a butterfly. Uh, and he just gives this to you because he's so excited and he knows that someone other than him, someone greater needs to hold this greatness. So now you have this amazing cane that's also a light weapon and everyone is so, so very distracted until the performance starts. Misha's going to smile and they are going to be like, oh, now that I have your attention, I can also tell hundreds of new stories at the sound, with the sound of music. <laughs> <laughs> that's it, fucking show's over. Can't go higher than that. <laughs> So we had three goals of the heist. If you're if you're doing a checklist of the heist, Misha's part, done. Nailed it. We are now on to Shock and Ellie. So we can get across like Yeah, we're gonna start climbing the room. Yeah, so you climbing the room. Alright, so you you walk out onto the stage. Wait, uh, no, why are we climbing? I that's what I'm asking. Because like Tom doesn't know what the room looks like. How can you climb it? Um so you walk out. I'm just gonna climb the walls. Like Spider-Man. Spider-Man! Um, well, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm waiting. You go ahead and describe it. You don't I'm know just what saying this is. Words. Yeah, okay. Um, so you walk out on stage, and this woman is uh, huffily... I almost gave her a mustache, because everyone has a mustache. <laughs> uh, this woman, uh, this perfectionist woman, is like scribbling in her notepad furiously, and then looking over at Misha and getting actually a little bit upset at just how good Misha's doing. And it's like, why can't my models do that? And then just scribbles a little bit more. And then, so she's not paying attention to you. The doors are wide open and not an eye is pointed in your direction. So you see this auction uh, house. There are rows of very fancy, very uncomfortable seats, uh, a handful of chandeliers. But you see uh, up at the top, you see a massive multi-layered chandelier that's hanging below an even bigger and wider, wonderful, colorful mosaic of Tommy Funbuck. Everything's of Tommy Funbuck. So you just see his, terrible jackassy smile uh it's still a very pretty mosaic and like even if the prettiest thing about it is that the massive chandelier is hiding most of it right above that chandelier above that glass is the room that has cubo all right then i guess we begin to climb so like there's the chandelier above us but are there like little wedges like imagine if you will a stealth game 
And in this stealth game, uh, the moldings of the room, rather than being like small, ordinary moldings that you would expect, are like almost these little ledges at like levels to the room. Or maybe there's a little sconce, a little sconce for lighting, but also just has inexplicably enough space for a human person to just also be there. Well, this isn't Thief, so no, but... Oh, fuck you! <laughs> I mean, there are chandeliers all over the place. There's a ladder behind stage that leads to a kind of, like, a, a space above the uh, the stage that has, like, lighting and stuff. And then there's also, there's, like, ornate platinum-like carvings that, like, you can't stand on them, but you can climb them up them up the side of the, uh, of the room. I have a question that just occurred to me. Hit me. So, Kivo is on a platform that goes up and down, right? Yeah. So, like... Like the one that Shock controlled. Yeah, actually. Can we just have Shock bring it down while everyone's in the other place and run? Do you tell that to Shock in time? Because he's going to start... My, I guess my question was, can I far step directly to that chandelier or am I going to have to, like, work my way up? Yes, you can. Oh, well, all right. I was I was looking for ways to, like, work my way up the room, a little sneaky-like, but I guess Shock just far steps immediately to the chandelier. Ellie thinks, huh, maybe we could do this easier. Turns over, sees Shock up there doing things the hard way, and I don't mean to speak to your character, is probably a little proud. Yeah, she's a little proud. <laughs> yeah, she's she's gonna like give Shock a thumbs up and you know that kind of whisper shout? This was so much better than my plan. This is why I don't plan. Things like this happens. You should drop it. The chandelier, I mean. Shock <laughs> looks aghast at that because he looks down at the crowd of civilians. Wait, they're no, they're the outside. Chandelier. They're outside the auction house. Oh, I don't want to drop it oh. on civilians. Oh, oh. I'm not okay. gonna crush but it. But it definitely. People. But but that woman who was sit who is actually sitting in the auction house definitely would fall on her. Oh, never mind. Shot glances down aghast at the innocent, maybe, civilian who uh, is below the chandelier and just like gestures for Ellie to climb. Ellie just notices. Ellie just notices that she was there and is like, cut the chandelier thing. Don't do the chandelier thing. <laughs> and I'm going to try to make my way, I guess, with my Wolverine claws. Okay. Yeah. Uh, give me a mic roll. That's going to have to be a roll Tom's for you. Tom's suggestion. Hey, Emily, Emily, how about you talk in the per mic? Per Tom's suggestion. Thank you, Emily. Per my last email. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but I was pulling up my character sheet because I, oh no. I thought I was trained in climbing. I'm trained in balance. You're trained Never in mind. fucking everything. All right. I'm trained in <laughs> climbing, though. Whoopity fucking do. How sad for you. I was going to try to make it easier for me. Look, we need every edge we can get, Kyle. Exactly. It's true. And I'm guessing that Ellie has like three edge in might. So Seven. So effort, effort is cheaper. Did you did you use those three might to put in effort? I didn't, but I would like to re-roll with an XP. That's probably a good idea. <laughs> That's probably. Are you gonna put an effort this time? I am. Oh, I'm so proud of you. You're wow. Wow. Fifteen. Fifteen. Yeah, and I you, put in one level of effort. Okay, you handily climb that. You are. Are you on the chandelier? Or are you hanging like next to the chandelier? I would like to be hanging next to the chandelier, considering kicking it, but not kicking it. <laughs> okay, you're next to the chandelier. You're not on the glass itself because you would slide right fucking through. 
I mean, do you want to be hanging on the glass? Like the, the oh, mosaic? Yeah, like I want to do that. Okay, you're doing that. You're just hanging next to Shock being like, hey. I don't know what the hell you're doing. That's This, <laughs> this is your job. I described. I'm hanging next to Shock being like, hey. <laughs> and Shock will just ignite his cutting light hand and just slice himself a little circle of glass in the mosaic. Yeah, and this pretty thin piece of glass falls and just kind of you hear like a little cute tinkling as it just slowly falls and like gently lands into the uh, chandelier itself and just is like snugly okay. there. I'm just going to can I just pick it up, like stick it in my 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 inventory, my nebulous inventory. Shock now has piece of glass. Ellie briefly reaches out her hand with an odd look on her face as if to stop him and then just lets it happen. So you uh, you climb up, uh, I'm assuming you climb up through the mosaic? Yes. Okay, so you get into this room, this wide, spacious dome. It is very plain. There are bits of metal uh, on the walls that climb up to a point on the ceiling. To one side, you see your only way you can view out of this room besides below you. You see the small hallway that leads to the outside of, uh, of the room and actually the outside of the building itself. And this is that hallway of death that you so deftly avoided. Uh, wires crisscross uh, around this room. Uh, you see little, little like birds with antennas perched around from their connectors. These are presumably antennae that are broadcasting what Cubo is supposed to be saying uh, across everywhere. But these ones are, are still, they look powered down. And in front of you, you see a few steps that lead up to a pedestal. And on it, you see a plain circular sphere. I want you all first to uh, to roll perception. Thirteen. I got a four. Ellie, you 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 notice a few more things. You notice that there are a couple of guards positioned at the end of the hallway. They're kind of looking around. It looks like they're waiting for uh, the person to replace Kubo. Because remember, Vibo is replacing Kubo. There, it looks like they're waiting for that person. And you also hear no like humming or sounds of electronics, uh, which is supporting the idea that everything is kind of shut down right now. But you do hear you do hear one other thing. Even though everything is shut down, you do hear the small kind of percussive sound uh, from where Kubo is. Can Shock reach out with his mental abilities and attempt to make contact with Kubo? That's such a better idea. I was just going to go grab it. We might still be doing that, but but first Shock is going to ask, Kubo, are you awake? You don't get anything. You just hear that sound uh, a little bit louder. It's you hear hear uh, a little a little tune. It's uh, kind of percussive, but also a little little woodwindy as well. It's like a, a fusion between like percussion and um, what am I thinking? Like a brass or woodwind instrument. Shock will Shock will turn to Ellie and just sort of like shake his head and be like, I, I think they're asleep. The guards are not looking at us, right? Nope. I think we should just grab Cubo. Shock will nod at that. And I want to try and go grab Cubo and <laughs> tuck him under my arm. All right. This is a f like a minute or two. It's been a while. It's about a minute or two before the auction begins. You've got here just in time. Ellie, you walk up and you, you hear the song a little bit more. And it's, it's, it's very cool. It's like, it's weird, actually. You don't like it because it's too stiff and like mathematical. And you go and no. you... No. And you go and no. you... Oh my God. 
And now we're going to go back in time about 15 minutes to hop. Um, hop. Yeah. It is now about 15, about 10 to 15 minutes before the scene we just saw. Okay. Uh, you have walked down the stairs and uh, you're in this cute little lobby. I'm assuming you walk through into the ballroom. Mm-hmm. It's a ballroom. You can tell I didn't have a description written here, but it's just, it's just a ballroom. A ballroom. There are a couple of uh, uh, a couple of balconies up to your top left. You see here some smooth like jazz music playing, and folks are dancing along to it. It is a sea of top hats and Lorraine hats, um, and it is just sickening. I hate it. Uh, and in front of you, you see like a band performing on the stage, and it's funny because like a lot of them are dressed like everyone else. Although you do see one guy in a uh, a brown hat, and he is playing the drums and uh the band says miss lorraine's big brass band <sighs> he makes that sound when he sees that and then continues to scan the crowd for the actual lorraine in between all these not lorraines you don't see her okay well if he doesn't just see her on the floor then he's going to um use the pin its intended purpose and he's gonna call lorraine hey lorraine i see your band is playing you want to dance and with that, the music slows down a little bit, and one of the doors opens. The showy jazz notes give away to elegant piano. As Lorraine Styles walks onto the stage across the room from you, and you know instantly that this is the Lorraine Styles. She stands with a slouched confidence, an impressively understated red dress drawing a line up her side. Her platinum hair is neatly tucked into an extremely wide, tall white hat, and she makes her way down the spiraling side stairs of the stage. Every pair of eyes in the room is fixated on Rouletia's darling, except for one pair, as Lorraine's eyes are focused on you. Hopper goes to the middle of the dance floor and holds out his hand. She takes it. All right. Well, Hopper, how how have things been going? Can't complain. And then he'll start the dance. And the thing about Hopper Scotch is that he doesn't really like to dance, but he's really good at it because Dad Alvin signed him up for so many dance classes when he was a kid. <laughs> Just so many dance classes. So then after he pulls her into the dance, he'll say, couldn't help but notice the Argent up there. Oh, what about? Well, it's a pretty big uh, invention. I mean, you have been looking into it. Well, it's interesting that you have dot wave technology and haven't once thought about somehow getting it to Cartesian. Hopper, you know the way things look don't necessarily indicate what's inside. I mean, after all, and she twirls you around. Many years ago, I saw a doofy little boy in a stocking nightcap, but inside of him, I saw a hero. <laughs> Well, the hat was mandatory wear. I didn't choose to wear that. Wow, sick burn, huh? <laughs> I know. Well, I had to wear it. <laughs> I had to wear that hat. I literally don't have a response for that. <laughs> no, no, that's fine, because he's going to continue. Um, I'm not so sure what you saw that day. I can't tell if you're helping me or not. Hopper, I've always been helping you. I am your biggest fan, and I know you don't believe most things you say, but that is something I can absolutely promise, as much as that Jesse is fond of you. After all, who, is push who would have pushed you the way I did? We made each other, Hopper, and I wouldn't have it any other way. I would. You're bored, Lorraine. This doesn't interest you anymore, and I can't... I don't think I'm enough of a challenge for you. I don't think you're challenging yourself enough. What if you stopped devoting yourself to these schemes, these cons, all of this, and tried to benefit someone? I know that I asked you to stop in Cartesian, but stopping wouldn't be enough of a challenge. Unequivocally helping us would. Oh, 
As great as that is, I haven't seen a challenge like you before. I just want to pursue excitement. You know that about me. And you also know that, come on, I created Hopper Scotch. Besides the once, he's gone around saving the world. I'd say by looking out for you, I'm really looking out for most folks. Looking out for me? Hopper, you really think I would have made such a foolish mistake as I did back in Dunshire, even at that young of an age? Maybe. No, Hop, I was so dreadfully bored. I was seeking for somebody who could do something, who could have a great I could attain to that had no limit, and, well, you passed the test. What kind of test are you setting now? Why are you working with the Jagged Dream? Have you ever played Chessers, Hopperscotch? Sometimes the way to win is to make sacrifices, and in order to get the information on the Jagged Dream that I needed to get you here to bring you back, I had to give them a little bit of information. Uh, it's just an old book, I'm sure they don't mind, and I'm sure that you'll be more than capable of stopping their world ending. Uh, and she does pause from the dance for a second to do air finger quotes. Uh, schemes. What if I can't stop them, Lorraine? What if you've set events into motion you don't even understand? Well, then that would be awfully exciting, wouldn't it? And I'm going to introduce a complication. You're going to, uh, as she says that, you're going to notice that she's going to kind of push you down a little bit. And you're going to see, uh, looking up from one of the balconies, uh, an old man wearing a mask of Tommy Funbuck's face, hiding his own sagging, uh, wrinkled, almost melting face. Uh, and he's scanning the room, looking intently for somebody. And there are about four Manny mates that he is motioning to start checking the room. Okay, I am not going to move yet, but... But I want to keep an eye on the people that are searching. So what I want to do is I'm going to keep talking with Lorraine for like a second more, but I want to be twirling her in such a way that Hopper is giving himself the best angles to keep looking around even while he's moving dancing. Okay. There was a movie called Ice Princess where the skater uses math to skate real good. <laughs> I'm going to argue I want to use the Ice Princess skill to do this and it's mathematically related. So Hopper. All right, give me a roll. All right. Ice town cost town clown it's town <laughs> crown never oh it's a three. Oh no <laughs> you do that spin and as you do you like become very clear to tommy crap but in that moment you feel the hat off your head lift up uh, and a tall top hat land on it instead and lorraine as she spins uh, let's go of the hat that she placed on her head picks up the tommy funbuck coat from another dancer and slides it around your shoulders, uh, rendering you disguised. And she says, Hopper, I promised that if you ever needed me, I would always be there, always be there to help your back, help you grow in ways you wouldn't otherwise. And what is the point of anything if you just set it up for me to solve? The point is that something happens, Hopper. And when we deal with individuals like you and me, the only way to get anything worth anything is to manufacture it. And as she says that, uh, you hear a little beeping coming from... She's got like a little... Like, you know how people have little holsters sometimes on their legs? There's a little beeping on her leg and she taps it off and, and she sighs and gets really forlorn. She's like, oh no, the thieves have gotten to Cubo. Did you ever figure out who was, who was going to steal Cubo, Hopper? The Jagged Dream. Oh no, oh no. She puts her hand uh, up to your cheek. Hop, you really are my shattered dream. I so hoped you would come back. But no, Simon, no, it's not the jagged dream. 
Every heist begins and ends with a monologue. The heroes start by saying all the ideal things they want to happen. And then a series of misadventures makes it seem like there's no way they can win. There's no way they can succeed. But at the end, they have a monologue and they point out all the ways that everything went perfectly according to plan. And this might be confusing for all of you because I told you to do a monologue at the beginning, but all of you, I, I didn't give you a monologue to do at the end and it doesn't make sense for you to do a monologue now. But that's because you're not the protagonists of this heist. You never were. And Lorraine looks at you and she says, no, Hopper, no. The thieves were never the jagged dream. Blueprints found in a room signed under your name. Ellie in shock breaking into Tommy Funbuck's room and uncovering all his secrets. A box, two S and BTC, two Simons and a Beatrice. No, Hop, the jagged dream were never the thieves. You were. So long, Simon and Simon. And finally, Lorraine does what you always wanted her to do. She sets her hand down and walks out of the room and out of your life. And far, far above you in Kubo's room, Ellie lifts up Kubo and turns him around and just sees on the sphere some text that says, now playing the Pythagorean rhythm. Uh, and as that plays, you turn around and you hear a slam as a large board is slammed over the hole. And you see, holding your reward for bringing Lorraine evidence for who the thieves are under his arm, regular Bob. And he looks at you. He looks at Hop's friends, no longer innocent and no longer protected by that promise Lorraine made not to harm them. And he's just like, uh, hey, a uh, pretty big, uh, good heist you all, uh. And his uh turns into a ghastly, guttural sound as he leans down. And as you have regular Bob standing in front of you, and the auction is about to begin, you hear one last thing this episode. You hear an announcer say, Ladies and gentlemen, proudly presenting the star of tonight's show, Lorraine Styles. And it's time to roll initiative. Welcome to the end game. Oh, Simon. My heart was hardened, each fight was a flame. Then I discovered a to bring on puppet strings a new exhilaration forewarning could mend the sting when you became so disappointing It just can't continue I'm in a bind My heart's maligned It's not inclined To pull the trigger on you No mastermind Should ever find That it could be so hard To say good I wonder why You 
had to die I tried to try The hole you left is growing It's all alright No one implied That it would be so hard to savor The end is night It's time to fly No more retries You are a failed obsession That's the end of the session. <laughs> I think me and Emily realized what was going to happen. The worst part, the worst <laughs> fucking part of this whole goddamn heist is that when you were like, oh, the thing is playing a math, like a, like a really kind of boring, steady mathematical rhythm. I thought to myself, ha, sounds like something Hopper would write. But I didn't say it. God, I'm so fucking angry with you. Are you okay? <laughs> Now you realize why I was so happy when you were like, we should steal Kubo. Because I need to make one thing clear. You know how like the Jagged oh, Dream plans never my God. Jagged Dreams plan never made sense? Yeah. Yeah. This was endgame from before you entered Rulettia. Oh my god. This has been endgame for over half a year now. We thought we were We played ourselves! God! Oh my god! Oh my god, I'm so fucking mad. Okay, <laughs> I had like a physical reaction when she said Simon. Oh yeah, no, there's, that was a punch to the gut and I don't want it to be, but it felt like I had been stabbed. Hopper feels like he's been stabbed. Hop's not going to perform very well this next, this next action initiative round. He's just not, he's just, he's gone. He's not going to, he's not going to be very useful. God, fuck Lorraine. I hate her more than words can ever fucking say. I am so fucking mad. So that was the session. I need to go make some calming jasmine tea or something. <laughs> fuck this game. I'm going to stop my recording. Is that okay? Yeah. You got all of it.